Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Hey, good to have everybody here today. If you're watching online this morning or by way of video later, we welcome you as well. Take your Bibles out and turn to Psalm 127. This will be our theme verse throughout this series. And let me, while you're turning, we do have an amazing college, SEU at Faith. And we have, uh, we're an extension of Southeastern University, which is located in Lakeland, Florida. It's a fully accredited university, and they have about 7,000 students now nationwide, probably 4,000 on campus and maybe 3,000 at their extension sites, of which we are one. And so if you're looking for a college degree, university degree, you can get some information in the foyer on your way out today. Also, we have an amazing school here, Faith Christian School. It's K-3 all the way through the 12th grade. Our graduation is coming up this Friday night. I think we're graduating about 14, 15 students, give or take. And if you're looking for a good Christian worldview, biblical-based education, there is no better school in the low country than Faith Christian School. So check it out, and they'll be happy to help you and uh, happy to help you and give you a tour and all that kind of good stuff. We're talking about marriage this morning, the keys to a stable, successful, healthy marriages. Uh, how many have heard the phrase, marriages are made in heaven? Some of you are laughing like, that's not my marriage. Uh, but I got news for you, thunder and lightning are also made in heaven. And, and I think this is what often happens sometimes is we bring two different people in, two totally different backgrounds, we put them together and say, make it work. And it's a challenge sometimes. And so we're, we're totally opposite, we're put in the same house and, and then the friction starts and the, the clouds begin to rub together and lightning and thunder are produced. And then, and then you have a situation where also we've got that selfish, sinful nature we deal with. And because of that, I think it creates damage and harm and it's t- kind of challenging to navigate this whole marriage process when two radically different people, self-centered lives, when they come together, uh, there's going to be some thunder and lightning along the way. Um, there was a survey that was done, and the number two thing that they said that they wanted most, most people wanted to see in their marriage was stability. Now, number one was money. Everybody wants money, and so that was the number one thing on the list. But number two, 70% said they wanted to have more stability, solidness in their marriage. And, and the, it went on to say that three out of 10 marriages felt they had achieved that, seven out of 10 said they did not have stability in their own marriage. And so the question for us today is, how do we go about building strong families? How do we have healthy families? Marriages that flourish and are exciting. And if you're, if you're here today and you're married, we're gonna get very practical. We're gonna write down and share some very practical keys that I believe will help all of our marriages. If you're single, don't worry, guys, tune in. Most of you wanna get married at some point. And even if you don't and have no desire to do that, you know somebody that's married. And maybe you can take something that will help them in their journey along the way. So let's stand together. Let's look at God's word, Psalm 127 and verse number one. And I'll just read the first part of it, very short text this morning. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I want us all to say that together. I want you to get this in your spirit above all else today. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. One more time. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you so very, very much. I thank you for everybody here today. We believe there's no one in this place by accident, but you have them here for a reason and for a purpose, and I pray the word of God will be active and quick and alive in them today. I pray for all of us, God. We won't just be hearers of the word, but doers also. May your word have its intended purpose in us, and we love you, God, and we thank you for your presence, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look amazing, and then you may be seated. It's interesting today that more and more millennials are skipping marriage altogether. Their mindset is, why bother? I mean, why, why get married? Maybe an outdated institution, why do we have to do this? Why not just live together? Uh, and I, and we, we ask ourselves, why is so much of this happening today? Obviously, the media fuels that and feeds that to some extent. But I think what is happening is, millennials are growing up as a generation who are products of divorce. And so many times in their own situation, in their own homes, they saw a divorce from their mom and dad, and they say, you know what, we don't want this for ourselves, and so we're just not going to get married. We're not going to go that route. We don't want to risk having a divorce. We saw how much pain and hurt and heartache it caused us, and so they will tend to live together rather than marry anymore. And of the, all the couples that are living together today, only half ever have plans of getting married. So it kind of tells you a little bit about what's going on in society today. And here's a statistic, and I, I found this shocking, but and it's, I, I think it's true. Two-thirds of kids born today are born to parents who aren't married. Two-thirds of children being born today are born to parents, mothers, moms, who are not married. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what, what are the key ingredients? What are some keys that make a marriage work, make it stable? And so I want to give you four today, and you have your outlines. You can follow along with me. Number one. Learn to focus on the positives. Learn to focus on that which is positive, not the negatives. Now, that's, that's profound. Listen to Proverbs 15.4. The soothing tongue is the tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Research says that it shows that it takes five positive things spoken or felt or expressed to offset one negative comment. You, you know what I'm talking about. You can, somebody can compliment you, say something nice about you, say something good. You can be around them and feel good. But you hear one negative thing. What do you always focus on? That negative. It drives us nuts. It, why do they say that? What, what's wrong with me? What happened? And it takes that one negative comment. It takes five positive things to outdo one negative comment we get. And so the bottom line is focus more on what is right in your marriage instead of what is wrong. If you are looking for the wrong in your marriage, you'll find it. You'll find problems and differences and things to look at and focus on. But if you'll focus on that which is positive, you can find that as well. Let me read a quotation to you. It's by John Gottman, and it says it so well. To improve or save your marriage, you must remind yourself that your mate's negative qualities do not cancel out all the positive qualities that led you to fall in love. Nor do the bad times wipe out all the good times. 
been in counseling many times, counseled many couples over the years, and they get on, you know, it's interesting, I have a couch right there in my office, and one sits on one end and one on the other, and they hug the ends of their couch, and they are so mad by the time they get to me, and they're in there, and boy, you hear problem after problem, he did, she did, and they're attacking each other, and every negative thing that ever happened in their lives comes out in that little one-hour session that we have together. But understand that there were a lot of good times along the way, and there's a lot of positive qualities that both of you possess. So what are you gonna focus your attention on? What are you gonna be drawn to? And, and the words, it says, that good words are like, are like sweetness to us, but bad words, negative words, are like a dryness to our bones. So much damage is created by our words, what we say to one another. It's like if uh, you take a flower and you take and you begin to pluck off all the petals of that flower and you throw it up in the air and it blows away. You say something and you want to take it back, but the words have already been spoken. And you may apologize and you may feel bad, but it's hard to get those petals and begin to try to glue them back on the flower. It's just an impossibility. And so our words hurt and our words cut and they dig and we can't get them back even though we want to. It's because we focus on the negative and then we get angry and we attack with our words and all that comes out. And the problem is the flower is destroyed. And in a marriage, it is a mate's self-esteem. And it's hard to repair that. It's hard to rebuild that. That's why the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so you can choose life by the things you say. You can speak life into your marriage or you can speak death in your marriage by focusing on the negatives, talking about divorce, attacking each other. You can bring death to it. If you look hard enough, you will find it. You can find something negative or you can find something positive. Vultures look for dead things. And they will find it. And so they circle around and they look over the whole area and they find something dead and they pounce on that dead thing and begin to pluck it apart. Hummingbirds, on the other hand, look for sweet nectar. And they find it. They look for those sweet things. Now I want to tell you, I I really splurged at Christmas. I got my wife a hummingbird feeder. And that... And, and by, the best one they had in the store, by the way. I didn't, I didn't mince any money along the way. I said, no, nothing's too good for my wife. The best hummingbird feeder they have. And we've got it now sitting on our back porch. And so all these little hummingbirds are coming around it. And they're drawn. She puts this red hummingbird food in there. And they're drawn by the color. And they drink the sweetness out. So now she's got a whole bunch of little buddies flying out in the back. All because of my thoughtfulness at Christmas time. And so... <laughs> So, so you, you see that's going, so you can either choose to feed on death and negatives or f- feed on the sweet nectar of life and that which is positive. And marriage, your marriage, the stability of your marriage is all gonna grind down to what are you focusing on? And I wanna challenge every couple, every married person, everybody in here to focus on that which is positive. Listen to Philippians 4.8. In fact, you may wanna look at it with me on the screen. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now we know that this governs our thought life and so he says think on what is good, pure, lovely and everything else, but it's as applicable as marriage as anything else. Think on those things that are good in your marriage. Think on those things that are praiseworthy and lovely and honorable and great. Focus your mind on those kind of things in your marriage and it'll affect the stability of your marriage home and family. Did you, how many in here would say your spouse does something that annoys you? Raise your hand. 
Some of you ladies right now are hitting them like this. What in the world? I think that annoys me, that, that elbow in my rib. There, there's, we, we all do things that annoy each other. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. I wanna be transparent and vulnerable in here today and, and honest with you. Many of you guys think my wife is perfect. And after last Sunday morning's message, uh, she just, didn't she bring an amazing message last Sunday? Incredible message from God's word. And you see her and she's happy and loves everybody. And, but I wanna tell you, uh, she's, there's a dark secret that she has. And uh, it's there, and, and I know about it because I'm close and I see it all the time. There's a very dark side to her. And I'll tell you exactly what it is. In the, she, will, she will set her alarm in the morning to wake up. And she usually gets up a little bit ahead of me. I, I, I'm a night owl, I stay up late at night, I sleep just a little longer than she does. And she'll set this alarm in the morning, and I have this kind of philosophy, I just let God wake me up. I mean, like that philosophy, just God, I'm yours, whenever you wanna wake me up, just, just you do it. And uh, so that's kind of the way I, I get up in the morning. But she'll set her alarm, and the alarm goes off, and she lays there. And the only person who wakes up is me. So an hour early, I'm woken, and I can't go back. Once that alarm goes off, I can't go to, I'm done. I can't go to sleep. I got to get up, and she'll sleep right through it the whole time. And I'll say, baby, don't set your alarm so early if you're not going to. And if she got up, if she used the alarm, if it was uh, something that helped her in life, I can see her doing that. But when she just lets it go and ignores it, and it wakes everybody else up in the bed. There's only two of us in there, by the way. Dark side, Dark. But I choose to focus on that, which is positive. And if you do that, it will be a key to having a very strong, solid, successful marriage. And, and the amazing thing is about marriage itself is the differences. And we are, we are very different, and you and your spouse are very different. It's the differences that enhance the quality and color of your marriage. It just makes it so rich and so exciting and so vibrant because we're different. If we were alike, it would be boring. But God puts two different people together and her strengths complement my weaknesses and cover my weaknesses and complete me, and my strengths hopefully help in her weaknesses, and together we make a wonderful team. And that's the way marriage is all about. But you can decide, what am I gonna focus on? Am I looking for everything they do wrong, all the annoyances, all the problems, or am I gonna choose to focus on that which is good and pure and lovely and honorable? Instead of trying to criticize and change your spouse, praise her for that which is positive, and then ask God to change you. It's good advice. We attack, we, we wanna change them, we wanna make them into something different, but praise them for what they do and ask God to change yourself. What can I say that will allow my spouse to be their very best by God's design? And so focus on that, which is positive. Number two, learn to never, ever keep score. Got to get rid of the record book. You want a stable marriage? Don't keep score. You're not keeping track. You're not keeping score. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. Two men were having a discussion they were talking about their marriage, and one guy said to the other, he said, every time we get in a fight, my wife gets historical. And the man looked at her and said, what do you mean? You mean hysterical, don't you? He said, no, historical. She brings up everything I ever did in my life. 
And, and, and so if you're gonna have a strong marriage, you gotta learn to let that go, and if you forgive them, forget it and leave it behind you. Don't keep bringing it up. Every time you have a fight or an argument, it will destroy the fabric and the root of your marriage. Let it go. Conflict's like an iceberg floating along in the, in the water, and so what you have is, in the iceberg, 10 to 20% are on top of the water, and 80 to 90% are underneath the water. And so it's kind of like that. And so what often happens in a conflict, what you only see is what is on the surface, but underneath it's always been seething and going on and simmering and getting worse and worse and worse and growing and growing and growing underneath the water. And so what happens is sometimes you'll ask your spouse a very simple question and there's an eruption that takes place. Any happen to anybody else? You say, honey, Good to see you, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? I'll tell you what's for dinner. And, and, and all of a sudden you are just being laid out right there in the kitchen. And you say, where did that come from? It's because underneath there's been undealt anger, there's been something she's been brooding over, simmering over, it's been building up and building up and at the right moment it will all erupt and all of a sudden the thunder and lightning comes, the rain comes and you're caught without your umbrella and you're saying what in the world was that? all about, it's because you've never learned to let it go, because you're keeping the record of wrongs, because you're stacking it all up, you're building it all up, and you don't release it. In marriage, don't allow the past to control your present. God doesn't bring up our past, neither should we. And we are great of reminding each other of all of our faults, all the times we blew it, all the sins along the way. We remind each other on a periodic basis, but God, forgiveness is not like that. God's grace is not like that. And the Bible says, forgive one another just like I have forgiven you, so let it go. Destroy the iceberg underneath the water. Anger is born when conflicts are internalized rather than being resolved. It irritates, it poisons, it corrupts the stability of your marriage. The problem is it's only a symptom of unresolved issues. Beneath the surface is often what is bigger and uglier. Gary Smalley, and I love this statement, it's, it says, when we bury anger inside of us, it's always buried alive. When we bury anger inside of us, it is always buried alive. Therefore, deal with it Resolve it, don't go to sleep mad. Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. There's a real good reason the Bible tells us to do that. And so if you gotta stay up till two o'clock at night, three o'clock at night, however long you gotta stay up, you got a purpose in your heart, we're not going to bed angry, we're not going to bed mad, we are gonna deal with this and resolve it because it says in doing so, you give the enemy a foothold. So you allow the enemy to come in and sabotage your marriage by hanging on to anger. The problem with a foothold, if it's there long enough, it becomes a stronghold. It becomes an offense. And by the way, I preached on strongholds last month and we talked about the stronghold of offense. And if you didn't get that CD or listen to it, you can go online, you need to hear that because dealing with offense can be a powerful, powerful stronghold that destroys our relationship with Christ and the blessing we are able to receive from him. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Make sure you deal with it, and the last thing you should say every night is, honey, I love you, and lean over and give your husband or your wife a kiss. Stability, that's good preaching, guys. I know, I know you're, not, you're not jumping up and down. It's so practical. Josh McDowell says this, forgiveness is the oil of relationship. 
It reduces friction and allows people to come close to each other. Isn't that great? That oil of the relationship. Unforgiveness destroys the potential for intimacy. It leaves us prisoners to our own emotions and our own misery. Forgiveness releases the valve for pain and pressure and poison. It is that release that we've got to have for a healthy, stable marriage. And here's the bottom line. We have received God's forgiveness, and so by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can forgive our spouse. We forgive everybody else. We can forgive our spouse as well. Number three, learn to ask for help. Learn to ask for help. Uh, Husband and wife had been married 50 years, and they were getting ready to celebrate their 50-year anniversary. The only trouble is, throughout those 50 years, it had been characterized by arguing and fighting and just meanness and just all the years of their life, all those 50 years of marriage. And so their kids saw mom and dad, they saw how miserable they always were, and said, we gotta do something for mom and dad. And so for their anniversary present, they paid for a trip to the psychiatrist. And they said, we're gonna send you to this counselor, this psychiatrist specialized in marriage and conflict resolution. We're gonna send you to this person and we're paying for it. We don't want any discussion, any arguments. You gotta go, we gotta fix this somehow. And so they argued about whether to go or not. They argued about how to, who was gonna drive and who wasn't gonna drive. They argued all the way to the psychiatrist's office. And even they got there and sat in the seat and they argued about who was gonna talk first, who was gonna share first, who was, gonna, who was right, who was wrong. And for 15 minutes, they're arguing right there in front of the psychiatrist. He had not yet to say a word. And finally, the psychiatrist got up from his seat, walked over to the wife, took her by, the, by, by her cheeks and, and kissed her right on the lips and then went back and sat down in his chair. And he says, now, he looked at the husband right in the eye, says, now, I want you to do that three times a week. I want to make sure she gets that three times a week. And he looked back and said, okay, I'll bring her back on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. (laughs) Uh, that's not the kind of help I'm talking about, the counseling I'm talking about or help you might need. And by the way, if you call the church office and Dr. Young is meeting with you for some marriage counseling, he will not get out of his seat and go kiss you right on the lips. Here's the problem. Many people, I think, want healthy, happy marriages, but their pride gets in the way and they will never admit when they need help. We, we become so proudful that we think we're always right and I'm, I'm an adult, I know how to solve these things, I know how to fix it, or, or I like this one, it's her problem or it's his problem. It's always the other person's problems. They're the one that needs counseling. They're the one that needs help. They need to see somebody. I've got it all together. And that pride gets in the way of asking us for help. And sometimes we think if I ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. But I will tell you, pride will be the greatest weakness that will cripple your marriage. There has got to be a time when you say, we, we can't fix this on our own. We haven't been able to work it out. Let's seek some kind of outside counsel or unside, uh, outside help along the way. If you have a car, I, I have a car, I have a truck, and uh, if the engine's rattling, if it won't start, if all the gauges are going wacky, I just don't leave that car sitting in my driveway saying, you know what, if I wait long enough, maybe it'll fix itself. What do I do? I, I go to a mechanic. I take it to an expert who knows how to fix an engine, which I have no idea how to begin to fix an engine, but I find somebody, there are people out there who do. 
And until I take it to them, until I go to them, that car will never run or operate right. And so it is with a marriage. Sometimes you reach the problem where it's broke, it will not fix itself. It's in those times we ask for counsel and we ask for advice and get the help we need to help fix our marriage problem. Listen to some of these scriptures. These are from uh, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived. Listen to it, Proverbs 13, 10. Where there is strife, there is pride. I could stop right there. There's a sermon right there. At the root of all strife is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but, many advi- but with many advisors they succeed. It is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. So seek help when your marriage is hurting. You say, well, pastor, I don't have time for counseling. We're just too busy. Well, you better make time for divorce. And it's ugly, and it's costly, and it takes a lot of time. Don't wait too long to ask for help. Here's a statistic that will blow you away. Only 15% of those who have marriage problems ever seek out outside help. 15%. But listen to this. Of the 15% that seek outside help when their marriage is in trouble, 90% will find help and often reconcile and put their marriage back together again. Isn't that amazing? And yet, we're so slow to do it. Seek help, you also need to seek help from the right people. Sometimes the person you're working with in the the construction site's not the best guy to go to. Sometimes, ladies, the person at the office at the desk next to you, the lady next to you who's already had three divorces herself, that's not the one to get marriage advice from. I would encourage you, if you're going through troubles, call the church office. I, uh, Dr. Young is going to kill me because we'll probably get 20 calls this week. But call the church office. Dr. LaVon Young is an amazing counselor. He does a lot of marriage counseling right here and it does just an awesome job. We have also, there are other pastors on staff that can help you. We have group leaders. Your group leaders are a great one to talk to and they will help you and they will pray with you. Another mature believer that you can call up, that you can confide in and trust in. But talk to somebody and uh, the Bible, Proverbs says, uh, with, with, there's help in the counsel of others. If you can kill your pride and ask for help when needed, God can save your marriage, amen? Number four, learn to laugh a lot. Learn to laugh. Marriage is so exciting. It is so much fun. It is, it is so incredible. Listen to Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. What a picturesque language there. It dries. Jesus is filled with joy. Jesus was all about joy, and people were, were attracted to him like a magnet. There was a lot of laughter going on. There's joy just in the presence of the Lord. I, I believe God had an amazing sense of humor. He, he looks over at Gabriel and says, I'm running out of animals to make. Let's just really throw them off, Gabriel. Let's make a duck-billed platypus. How's that for a good animal? We'll put a, a duck bill on the front of it. We'll put web feet on the bottom. We'll put poisonous spurs in the back of their web feet. We'll put a long, funny tail on the back. And you know what? About the time they think it's a mammal, we'll let them lay eggs, and we'll fool them all again. And so you, know, you just see that in God's creation, creativity, and all that, that is about God. It's It's amazing. When you laugh, when you have fun, when you focus on the pauses and forget your past arguments, you will draw together closer as a couple and find that stability. In fact, laughter, this is a proven scientific fact. Laughter produces antibodies which relieve stress and pain and even 
are a help to heart disease. Isn't that cool? Just laughing just helps your heart get better. Laughter lifts our spirits and heals our brokenness. But the writer says, on the other hand, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And so you get down and you get discouraged and you begin to focus on the negatives and all of a sudden your world, instead of being a multicolored, beautiful world that God made, turns gray. And everything around you is gray. And it's negative and it's bad and there's no joy anymore in your life. And, And here's the deal. The real beauty of marriage is this. When I'm down, the good thing is Jeannie will be up. And she's there to encourage me. And I come in, I've had a bad day, and I'm frustrated. She'll kiss me and say, it's not too bad. And she'll make me laugh again, and we'll talk again, and we'll rejoice. And, and on the other hand, there are times when she's down. She's going through something, or facing something, or got something heavy on her heart, and I'm there to lift her up and help her and pray for her. You know, the, the, the writer said, when one two walk together, it's a great thing because if one falls down, someone's there to help them up. I don't think he's talking about walking down a path and just tripping. We don't do that too often, but we get down and we fall and we stumble along the way. But what a great thing about marriage. There's always somebody there to pick you up. It's a beautiful thing when you can laugh together and pick each other up and help each other along the way. Learn to laugh at each other even in spite of our differences. Now listen to me. These are keys to a healthy marriage. And this is good advice for any couple. Any, every couple out here, just these four things I think will begin to help everybody uh, focus on the positive, never keep score, ask for help, learn to laugh along the way. But let me tell you the most important key above everything else, and it's not one of my four points, but I want you to get this, build your house on the right foundation. Build your marriage and your home and family on the Lord Jesus Christ. I started with this scripture today. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And so start with the Lord Jesus Christ and with him. Let your life and your home and your family be centered around him. Make it a priority to worship together and to pray together and and, and to share Christ together and to talk about him and, and keep him at the center of your family. Above all other keys, this is paramount. Keep Christ at the center. Every marital problem is first a spiritual problem. Let me say it again. I want you to think this through. I want you to get this. Every marital problem is first a spiritual problem. So how do you fix it? It starts, first of all, with you getting right with God. You see, peace is not the absence of problems. It's the absence of the presence of the Lord because the Lord is peace and where God is, there is peace. And so it doesn't mean you're not gonna have problems or trials or tests along the way, but if the Lord's in the center of your marriage, you can still have peace even in the midst of the storm. If you're struggling, take the initiative and go to your spouse and say, you know what, I'm dying to myself and I'm gonna be alive in Christ Jesus. You see, I said, every marriage problem is first a spiritual problem. This is the reason, because at the core of all marriage problems is a word called selfishness. And when we come into contact with the cross, we only can say like the apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives that Christ lives in me. And the only thing that will save your marriage is death to self and to be alive unto God in Christ Jesus. But selfishness comes in and you're fighting for your way and your rights and your opinions and they're fighting for their way and their rights and their opinions. That's why every marriage problem is first a spiritual problem because only Christ can cure us of ourselves, of our sinfulness 
of our selfishness. He comes in and changes us from the inside and we become others focused. We begin to love as Christ loved and he opens up the way to reconciliation. And if there's conflict going on in your life right now in your marriage and you guys are struggling, it's not a time to give up, it's time to look up and say, God, I need you, I need your help. I want you to put us together again. Help me to forgive, help me to love, help me to be the husband, help me to be the wife that you want me to be. And in him we find our hope and we can find our answer. It is all found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep Jesus Christ at the center of your marriage. All these keys we shared this morning stem from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And one reason that's so true is because these things are all a part of his character. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He forgives. He looks for the positive in us. God of joy. We see all that in Christ. And so when we anchor in him, then they become a byproduct of our life and we call those things the fruits of the spirit of the Lord. So when I'm attached to the vine and I'm abiding in him, out of that comes that life of fruitfulness. And not only will your life be fruitful, but your marriage can be fruitful, living and exciting. When he is at the center, we have the key to a wonderful marriage. So today you got a decision to make, guys. Listen to me. Am I going to make Christ the center first of all my life? And if you don't know Jesus Christ, it starts with him. And you got to start by saying, God, I need you. God, save me. God, cleanse me. God, come into my life. I give my life over to you. I, I surrender to your cross. I, I give my heart to you. I thank you that you died for me and took my place. And if you pray and say, God, save me, come into my life, he'll come in. And the Bible says you become a a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away and all things become new. But he'll also revitalize your marriage and your relationships all around you. It all starts with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.